Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the unfiltered mental health podcast dedicated to the things nobody wants to talk about in real life. I'm your host, Christina, and disclaimer, I don't normally sound like this. Um, I am coming down with a little something, you know, just fall things. No, for real, it is that time of year, and I've held off getting sick as long as I possibly could. As you might know, I've been working my ass off for the last six weeks with two jobs, and last week I finally dropped down to one job, so of course, that's when my body decides to break down. So yeah, I think I'm getting sick. I woke up this morning with, like, all that buildup in my throat, and, like, I tried talking, you know, as you do when you wake up, you talk to yourself. But no, I knew I had to record this, and so I was, like, talking to myself, and I was like, oh no, this is not gonna work. I can't do this. But it's Monday, and um, you get me sounding like this. You're welcome. It's sexy. (laughs) This is going to be a short intro. I don't really have a ton to say about my week. Um, I've been working a lot. I've been isolating a lot. Um, Mentally, I guess I should talk about my mental health, um, which I know that I have a mental health podcast, and I, I talk a lot about being honest about this stuff, but I feel like I haven't been completely honest with you guys about my own mental health in the last few weeks, um, because I'm not really proud of it. Um, I haven't been doing the best. I haven't been doing the worst either. I know if you guys listen back to old episodes, I was a shit show at the beginning of this year. Um, I was an active alcoholic. I was self-harming, I was really depressed, suicidal, all the stuff. And then I went to the hospital and I got sober and um, I got a new job and things have been looking up for me for a while. So I I really do feel like I have no right to still feel this shitty, but um, I do. And I think it is a phase as much as these things can be called a phase. I I recognize in my head that objectively things are on the upswing. And if I can just write it out a little and like keep pushing myself out of my comfort zone and keep taking these proactive steps toward my own self-care, like things will get better. But it's hard when you're used to feeling like shit and when you're used to things going poorly. Uh, I talked about this in the last episode, how self-sabotage feels safe to me, because that's what I'm used to. But yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I also have a big confession to make, and that is I have stopped seeing my therapist. It didn't really happen on purpose. Um, The last time I saw him, I told him I would see him in two weeks like normal, and then I just kind of ghosted him. Um, and I didn't do it on purpose. I did it because I lost my insurance because I quit my one job and I haven't really gotten new insurance yet. And that's <laughs> even more embarrassing to admit because I'm 27 years old and I'm supposed to be a responsible adult. But yeah, I, I haven't taken care of my new insurance yet. And so as a result, I've put off the whole therapy thing. But I doubt he's listening to this or anything. I, just, I still feel weird saying it on the podcast. But yeah, I I don't want to ghost him because he's been there for me for this whole crazy year in Seattle. And he was the one who talked me off the ledge and helped me get into the hospital. And I owe him my life, like literally. So I think I'm going to at least write him a card or something. Uh, And I've been putting it off for a while. So this is 
my accountability right here. Um, I'm telling you guys this week, I'm going to write him a card and mail it because he deserves that at least. I hate it when people ghost their therapists. I mean, I've done it before. It's a shitty thing to do. And I know they're used to it. It's their job. But still, I don't want to be that person, you know. With all that said, um, I have a lot of work on myself to do this week. Um, I just want to challenge you guys to be thinking about November. And um, it's tempting this time of year to think, oh, the year's sucked this far. You know, what's the point of turning it around now? Might as well ride out this wave of misery till the end. I mean, that's how I think, at least. But um, I want to challenge myself and you guys that it's not too late to have a good couple months before this year is over. Start 2020 off on a good note. Because I, I love new beginnings. I love the symbolism of new months, new years, uh, new weeks even. Like today's Monday. Monday's my favorite day of the week. Uh, unpopular opinion. I just love the idea of a fresh start. So yeah, be thinking about what you want to do in November that's about it. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this week's episode. I interview one of my old customers from my job in Virginia. Um, Her name's Nadia, and she's a yoga teacher and just really funny person. Um, I'm I'm not going to spoil it anymore. I'm, I'm really terrible at amping these people up. I'll just let her speak for herself, but it's a great episode. As usual, if you guys want to be a guest or just want to say hi, Feel free to email me at picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Technically, I'm on Twitter, but to be honest, I don't go on there a lot. Anyway, you know where to find me. I love you guys, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Hello. Hey, am I doing it right? Oh, yeah. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if you're doing video, I can do video, too. I just don't. Oh, how do I? How do I do this? I don't know. This is my first time ever using. Something. Oh, hi. Long time oh no my see. God, I know. This is so weird. <laughs> you're, I think you're the first person I've ever interviewed on Skype with the video on. Really? Yeah. Most of the time it's just voices. Cause like I'm the most awkward person on earth. <laughs> oh, and I, I'm super awkward too. Yay. So hello. Hello. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> your first awkward video come <laughs> I love it you look all buff and shit oh thanks I'm trying to get there I'm about to work out when we finish I just ate my food so what kind of workouts do you I do I could get it all good. just run and I'm gonna lift some weights tonight Ugh. I have not done that in way too long I'm like so weak <laughs> lifting is probably one of my favorite things to do but you're, it, it'll all come back once you do it. <laughs> um, the listeners can just trust me when I say your arms look amazing. <laughs> so do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Just introduce yourself, say what your name is, how old you are, what you do, all that shit. Yeah. So my name is Nadia, and I live in the D.C. metropolitan area. I am a yoga teacher by choice and a government worker by paycheck. Uh, so <laughs> nice. that's what I do. Um, my favorite thing to do is to interact with strangers because I'm too awkward to interact with my friends. I also like to interact with animals and plants <laughs> and other things. So that's me in a nutshell. Oh, and did I say my age? I'm 33. Okay. No, you didn't. 
Man, I that's interesting that you said that it's less awkward for you to interact with strangers than your friends because most people it's the other way around. Why is that, do you think? I don't know. I feel like I have too many different personalities and so different friends are expecting different things and everybody needs me and wants me to be there for them that are my friends whereas strangers have like zero expectations of me. So you feel like you're your most, like, genuine self around strangers? Yeah, I never even really thought about that, but thanks. (laughs) That's what happened. I totally get that. I think it's interesting how, like, different people kind of build into your personality. Like, you act one way around a different friend than you do around, like, your sister, for instance. Like, Mm -hmm. I find myself laughing differently around certain friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, how much of me is the real me and how much of me is, like fake just built on these other people totally is and it's crazy it's just like why why is it this way and I think we also like pick up on other people's like traits and personalities that we like change who we are so that we can make that person feel a little more comfortable and less awkward I don't know do you find yourself working really hard to make the other person more comfortable yeah yeah far too often actually no I I get it I get I do that too (laughs) I was going to ask, um, how long have you been teaching yoga? I have been teaching yoga now for three and a half years. Um, I've been taking yoga for like 10 years, but I've been teaching for three and a half. Okay. Well, what got you into that? Um, a breakup in 2012 got me into um, taking yoga and then knowing things weren't right in my other part of my life brought me to teaching yoga can't wait to hear all about that (laughs) yeah (laughs) just tell me your whole life story are you from Uh, are you from the dc area originally yep born and raised from alexandria so right outside of dc so what was your childhood like growing up did you move around a lot did you stay in the same area what was your family like never moved once in my life so i well i mean that's not true um my parents never moved in my lifetime. They've always lived in Alexandria and they've had the same house since I was born. And I lived there from when I was born to when I was 18. Then when I was 18, I moved out, went to college, got kicked out of college um, right away. So I moved home, but then they let me back into college. (laughs) So I got to finish um, and I got to move back out. And then I stayed out of my parents' house till I was like 26. And then that breakup in 2012 brought me back home. And then um, I moved out again when I was like about to be 30 because I didn't want to be 30 living at home. For some reason, that was like crazy. I can't live at home at 30. Like That was such... your limit. Yeah. And then um, I moved out. And then at 33, I got single again. Or 32, I got single again. And... I'm living at home. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it it happens, you know. Yeah. These things are cycles and it especially for our generation, like it's really fucking hard. It As- really is. And like I'm thankful to have parents that are so cool that are letting me live there and they actually let my best friend live there. Nice. Um she lives there too. It's kind of weird. We're like a little modern family and she sees my parents more than I do. Oh, she that's brought a adorable. Dog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, what's your relationship like with your parents? Ooh, that's tough. Um, 
it's actually I'm going through a lot right now with them, so it's kind of crazy that you asked that. Um, my mom and dad have been married for 40 years. Um, my mom was like the most nurturing person in the entire world. Like she quit her job and her life just to take care of myself and my sister. Um, because my dad was like, that's what a good wife does is <laughs> stays home and I'll make money. I don't know. Like they seem like they're traditional, but they're not. So it's kind of weird that they did that. So my mom stayed home. So my dad could work more. My mom was just always there but she was always late for everything, and now I'm late for everything in life, so I feel like maybe really wiped off on me, and I can't control it, and it's really bad. She's also like a hoarder and a mess, and I feel like I am as well now, but she has a heart of gold, or whatever it's called, a heart of whatever, the best heart ever. <laughs> heart of gold, she, sounds right. Heart of gold, all she does care about people, um, She's the one who probably got me to like talk to strangers so much because I remember as a kid, like her always interacting with like homeless people and like people from her church and just random people. So she's a great person. Um, my dad, he's a comedian. Like he's the funniest person I've ever met in my life, but he's not a comedian. He's I was a mechanic. Gonna say, is he like really a comedian? Comedian? Like does he do that for a living? <laughs> he's crazy. A, no, he's a mechanic. But he's really hilarious um, and awesome. Um, and he like 69, but he acts like he's like 49, 29. He's very young at heart. My mom is 70 and she acts like she's like 90. Um, so they're complete opposites. But yeah, growing up with them was great. They're, they're great parents. They're wonderful, um, very loving. Um, but now I'm going through a difficult time with them because I'm trying to quit my government job and just teach yoga. And my mom thinks that's the most foolish thing in the world because she thinks that only money matters and nothing else should matter. Do you think that stems from like fear that you're going to crash and fall? Like she just wants yeah. you to be okay. Yeah, definitely. Which I totally understand. But at the same time, you're 33, you know, you need to crash and fall sometimes, which you, it sounds like you have already. A lot, yeah. And I'm about to be 34 in a week, so didn't put that part out there. Um, so <laughs> Happy early birthday. Thank you. So I can, I will continue to, to crash and fall, but it's life. It's That's so true. I'm sure you've explored those themes in yoga, the whole balance thing. How, I mean... We'll go back to your story in a bit because I'm really super curious about your life. But um, um, you said you were really interested in talking about mental health. And I'm, I'm curious about the yoga side of things, like how yoga and mental health combine. They do combine, but I would say more in like a mindfulness way. You said that you first got into yoga when you went through that first breakup in 2012. So going to that helped me learn the techniques of like breathing and like community being with others and like understanding myself a little bit more and the fact that like we all like grow and change but like as I've been doing yoga more and more things have really changed for me and I've been understanding a lot more of life and mental illness and mindfulness because I've always suffered from like depression of some sort like whether it's seasonal depression or love depression just because I'm someone who is so much in need of wanting to be loved and in love that it's I get a little bit depressed when that doesn't happen 
And then I also have a lot of anxieties. So yoga has really helped with all of those areas for me. Um, recently, in the past couple of years, it's been because of meditation and breath work and mindfulness and knowing that everything is temporary. And when situations go really badly in my life, I have to remind myself that that situation is just something that's temporary and that it will pass and what will happen will be greater than the moments that I'm experiencing currently. That's amazing. I totally try to do that as well. Like asking myself, will this matter in a week? You know, will this matter in a month, a year, whatever? But it's hard. It's a really hard discipline. And I think yoga is just that, a discipline. It really is. Yeah. Man, this is so exciting because, like, I don't really know you and I want to, like, learn all about you. So, um, when did you start dating? After my breakup, you mean? Well, no, just in general. How old were you when you started dating? Most people start dating, like, I guess in high school, right? I went on, like, one, maybe two dates in high school. And I went on, like, one in middle school that my parents had no idea about. But nothing, like, ever serious. I never had a boyfriend until college. Um, my first boyfriend, I guess, first time dating. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But I met him in 2006. He's the one that I broke up with in 2012 that, okay. uh, that we had, that I found yoga. We started dating in 2006. And on the first night, like, I invited a bunch of friends over and him over because I didn't think that. I mean, I thought it'd be weird. I met him off of MySpace. So I was just like, let me like bring some people here that can like make things normal. So they all, all my friends were there and he was there. And then our second date was like next night and we watched the Super Bowl. And he was just like, will you be my girlfriend? And I was like, sure. And he's like, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. You want to move in? And what? that was like, thing. and he moved into my apartment that my parents were Holy paying. Holy shit. Some guy I knew for two days, and we lasted for six and a half years. And that's that's fucking insane. Super weird. Did right? your friends like try to talk you out of it? No. Mm-mm. Everyone was like, "All right, you do you. We trust you." Yeah. <laughs> so that was my first experience dating. So then I guess I really started dating when he and I broke up. So 2012, 2013, before I met my next ex, and I probably went on like I went on dates with like. 20, 30 different guys, different places, met different people. So I was 27, 26. What was that experience like after having been with one person for six years? And that was really your first relationship, right? Like, yeah, it was fun because I kind of felt like I was cool. (laughs) I was like, this is cool. Lots of guys want to go out with me. I thought I was like super like ugly and disgusting and like high school and college because I mean, I didn't, nobody wanted to date me in high school. And then in college, I met this random guy off of MySpace right away. And I didn't even flirt with any of the normal people in college. This guy didn't go to college. The guy I met that I lived with, he was just some random, like, homeless guy that I... Are you serious? (laughs) I'm like, I'm like sensing some red flags going up. (laughs) Lots of red flags. And now he's like doing really well in his life. And we're still like really good friends. That's Uh, So what did your parents think when you started dating him? They were mad that I was dating somebody who didn't have an education, who um, didn't work because he wasn't working right away. Um, they were just mad. They were like, you're, you're dating somebody who's using you. 
But at the end of the day, he loved me more than anybody ever had. Like he would do anything to make me happy. Like he would work. He ended up working in a deli as his first job while we were dating. And he would put on like put in as many extra hours as he could. So he could bring me a bouquet of flowers like every other day or something like that. Like it was crazy. And he would bring me chocolates. He was just like such a sweet, good guy. Mm -hmm. And he to make me happy. And he kept the house completely clean. He cooked for me. He made sure everything was ready. He Damn. would like, yeah, he was a really good guy. And then what, we was the, what was the catch? He didn't have any money. Um, <laughs> um, we ended up breaking up because he had some PTSD from like a house fire that he got trapped in with our dogs in 2011. Oh, and shit. I tried to, yeah, I tried to work it out with him for a year after that. But it didn't work out. But he ended up making his life the way he wanted to. He fixes motorcycles and Vespas for a living. And then he became a, um, a marijuana farmer. <laughs> Living the dream then. Yeah, he is. Him and his fiance live um, on St. Thomas. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. He's a good guy. Then, so 2012 to 2013 was really cool dating. I really enjoyed it. Met a lot of cool guys. This one guy, like, I just became obsessed with in, like, March of 2013. And... He was like, clearly wanting to be a player, wanting to date a lot of different people. But I was like, nope, I'm going to make this guy my boyfriend. And sure enough, by 2014, he was my boyfriend up until last year. So I kept him around. Is this the guy that you were always talking about when you came into my work? Always. Just so you guys uh, know, me and Nadia met at my work in Virginia. I worked at a cafe and she was a customer. And she would come in and tell me about her boy problems. <laughs> yep, it was him. We broke up. Uh, I, I left him at the end of last year. I think you might have already been gone. I, I think you were starting to talk about leaving him. Yeah. Yeah. So I left him at the end of last year. Um, he's having a baby. Um, oh, my so, God. Odd flex. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. Like, both, both of my exes moved on. One's getting married and one's having a kid. Both of them said they were never going to get married or have kids. And that's all I wanted. And both of them are. Isn't that I, how it always works? Yeah. So I have a question for you. Did, like, how long did you take between dating other people and breaking up with your, your first ex? The first ex, I waited, broke up with, I guess I break up with guys in September. Um, so I broke up with him in September of 2012. And I was dating by December. Okay. So like three months, but I was over him and my, I was completely detached, not in love the day I left. It was kind of one of those things that had been working up for a long time. Yeah. The other one that I left last September, I'm almost fully over that. So it's been over a year. That one was just, it's just difficult. So Dating has been really crappy. <laughs> um, do you, do you, are you afraid of being by yourself, like alone? Well, I'm like huge on um, astrology and birth charts, being a yoga teacher. And um, my, my birth chart reading um, was that I'm, this is a little TMI, but I don't know how <laughs> TMI your podcast is. No such but, thing. Okay. So um, apparently I'm a sex addict. So that's um, what she got. The first thing she got on my birth chart, she was just like, uh, all I see is sex, like everywhere. Is that your life? And I was like, yes. <laughs> okay, I was going to ask if you agreed with that statement. Um, I was like, yeah, that's definitely my life. But it's probably um, nothing. It's probably something that you had never really 
been able to talk about before or that anyone asked you about. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool to find that out. But then she also was like, you're a Libra. And she's like, and Libras are obsessed with love. And she's like, from the moment you were born, all you wanted was to be loved romantically. And she was like, and until now, until maybe a couple years from now, she's like, you're never going to truly be loved. Like, she's like, and it's just something that sucks, but you have to give love elsewhere and figure out your next path. She's like, I'm not saying you're not going to have that romantic love and that love that's going to last forever, but it's not in like the planetary cycle at this moment. She's like, in the moment that she was able to read ends in like summer 2020. But then she was like, I don't see that like in your planetary like outline, but your Venus, like my, my Venus planet is also in love. And she was like, so everything about you is like love, 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 sex, love, sex, love. She's like, everything, like, and I'm like, Oh, great. And she's like, so you don't focus on like other things like responsibilities and work and being on time. She's like, cause all your mind is thinking about 24 seven is love and sex. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, you told me that, you know, right at the beginning of this recording that you need to be loved and you're always looking for love. Have you always been like that ever since you were a kid? Yeah. And the thing that's so strange about that is my mom, my dad, my aunts, my uncles, my family, everybody gave me so much love. Like I, I experienced so much love, like, and I should be thankful. Like I experienced more love in my childhood than most people might in their entire lifetime. This is really cheesy question. Do you love yourself? That's what I'm working on. I think (laughs) I hadn't, like, I think that I hadn't loved myself. And so that's one of the things she was saying when she did my birth chart reading. And when I get Reiki and when I see like other spiritual healers, they're like, you have to love yourself. And like, I see other people loving me, like friends and family. But for me, I'm just like, "Uh, I don't know. But then when I think about it at the end of the day, I'm like, well, I am actually pretty awesome. So why can I not love myself the way I should? So I guess it's just always a work in progress. Yeah, it's kind of like a shitty cycle because like for a relationship to be healthy, you know, the two individuals have to love themselves and have healthy relationships with themselves. But then you feel like you're constantly missing out on love. It's like hard to love yourself and it's just a cycle. No, that's exactly the cycle I'm experiencing. And like in this year I've been single, I I started dating a lot sooner with him than the last ex. So I waited only like two months and I was dating again. And I've always had like guys that I like hook up with, but I don't count those guys as guys I'm dating. But I've just like, it's like the two that I've actually really liked one of them, he's become like my best guy friend, unfortunately. (laughs) And then the other one, he just asks me to be his dog sitter and his yoga teacher. And we hang out all the time. And he like always wants to be around me. But yet he doesn't want to date me. So it's just like really weird. I've just like found myself in like two weird situations with two weirdos. Maybe uh, time to draw some boundaries there. boundaries everybody says boundaries I don't have boundaries when it comes to men I don't know what my problem is so I know you said that you tend to change your personality based on who you're with have you found that to be true with guys you date yeah and like I think I feel bad because I'm always going like right before we started this podcast I just left my office I had worked for eight out eight eight hours then I came here to teach a yoga class 
Then I went back to my office for two hours to finish work. Then I came back here to set up this so we could talk. And I had something else to do with my yoga business. And when I finish, I'm going to work out. So I like go 24-7 all the time. I barely ever sleep. But when it comes to these guys that I like, if they were to call me, I would just drop certain things. Not like my job or yoga teaching, but working out and other responsibilities. Yeah. And my my friends and family are like, but you're always too busy for us. But how are you making time to see this guy twice in a week or three times in a week when you can't even see me like once in a week? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's why you do it. Because it's the only time you'll allow yourself to like drop stuff and slow down. Have you ever thought about that? No. <laughs> I'll give you an example from my life. Like I, um, I'm like a recovering alcoholic. And um, I don't drink anymore, but I'm just like you. I can never stay still. I have to be doing something constantly. I hate just sitting with my own mind. And so alcohol would be the one way that I would let myself just relax and be lazy and do nothing. So I don't know. Maybe it's a similar with these guys for you. Yeah. It lets you kind of let go of your responsibilities and just enjoy the company of another human. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And like he makes me feel like, calm and like relaxed and I can just like chill I actually do feel really good around this one guy like he makes me feel like welcomed I don't know and I can I actually am more myself around him than I am around other people I know. that was going to be my next question is like how does your perception of yourself change when you're with these guys like do you feel like you are truly yourself if it's the right guy or do you feel like it's just another like mask that you put on I think it's another mask too. I think like every, I think almost everybody gets to see the mask. The only time I really feel a hundred percent myself and without masks is when I'm either teaching yoga or taking a yoga class. Like that's when I feel like I can be my true self. Um, also, when I'm meditating, and other than that, and like I have uh, a couple close friends that I feel really myself around. But other than that, I feel like I have to be a different way for different people. Yeah. And maybe that is once I can become all of them together at one, maybe then I'll fully love myself because it won't be different Nadia's all over the place running around like a crazy person. I don't know. I also think that that's part of being a human and adapting to your surroundings is like you know, flexing to whatever situation you're in, whatever people you're with. Um, I think it's a lot of pressure to to say I have to be the same person all the time in all these situations. I don't know. I go back and forth between my views on this, and it's so exhausting. How so? Like, I don't know. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be our, like, authentic person. But, like, who the fuck knows what that is, you know? Yeah. that's true and we're always evolving like we're always changing and the way we evolve is by interacting with people and different personalities so I don't know I I honestly don't know what to think I'm just life man life it's a crazy crazy motherfucker I guess (laughs) I don't know okay tell me about your mental health like growing up and then like when you left the house what kind of changes you went through So mental health. Oh, I didn't even talk about this. I talked about depression and anxiety and I didn't talk about the major one. ADHD. All right. Um, (laughs) I 
I am ADHD. I actually was one of the first cases of ADHD in the United States. There's a book by an author. Um, his name is Dr. Stixrude. It's S-T-I-X-R-U-D. And he talks about this little girl who they couldn't figure out anything going on with her until she was like nine, which was me. And I just had like a really severe case of ADHD. And then um, they tried to get me on medications my whole life. I didn't get on medication until I was in college um, when I was 18 and legally allowed to make the decision because my mom thought that medication on a child's brain would hinder that child's brain. So she didn't allow it. And then any time that the schools or anywhere would say I have a disorder or a disability or a mental illness, my mom would just say, no, my daughter learns differently. So I really appreciated that from her growing up because I never felt different. Um, until I got older and I started looking back at life and I was like, well, I was always different. I was in like slower reading classes. I was not able to comprehend things. Like I would read something, but I had no idea what I just read because I was moving so fast. Uh, my brain was moving faster than my eyes or than my body. Like I was just always going and my brain still is that way. And I still, to this day, take Adderall because I can't focus without it. That's why I like teaching yoga, because I don't need it. But working in the office, I can't get anything done without it. When did you go on it? When you were in college? Yeah, I think I was 18 or 19. I started with like Concerta or something like that. Um, it's terrible. All these drugs are terrible. I hate mm -hmm. them. But it's, it's helped me. When I meditate and when I do yoga, I don't need Adderall. But on the mornings I have to go to the office, I'm like, I don't want to be a human. Like, I just, I can't, I can't human today. <laughs> I feel like it is all about balance, like you said earlier. Like, that sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Like, you know, medication isn't a cure-all and, you know, neither is yoga by any means. But, like, together you can use them to help yourself. Yeah. But, like, too much of any of them, I feel like, can be detrimental. Do you smoke because of your anxiety? You mentioned it before. I don't know. I think I've just really enjoyed it. I started smoking when I was like 16 or 17, and it became like a daily thing, and I don't know. Basically, all the guys I've dated, except for the first one, said that I made them smoke more. They were like, you smoke more than, than I would have, would have expected, and I was like, I don't know. But like, I always do it at night, so people don't know. It's usually like late night to go to bed me like to go to sleep yeah I that. Um, well yeah you have to be able to slow yourself down yeah because otherwise I'm gonna keep going but I used to smoke all all day when I was in college and um, after classes and then when I first graduated college and I worked retail I would smoke on the days I wasn't working like during the day but since I've worked for the government I've worked for the government for 10 years um, don't they I drug don't... test you no Oh. And it's weird because I'm a yoga teacher for a gym, but it's a corporation, so that's why they drug test. I would never think that a yoga teacher job would get tested before a government job. Well, the government job pulled my record, and I did get a charge. I did get charged in 2007 or 2008 with possession. So when I got hired with the government, they were like, oh, do you have any charges you want to tell us about? And I was like, yeah, I have a possession charge. And they're like, good. We just wanted to know if you'd be honest or lie because we already knew it. And I was like, oh, good. Glad I was honest. Cool. And that was it. They didn't t test or anything. 
going back to, you know, you getting diagnosed with ADHD as a child, did your parents and you talk about mental health at all? Was it something that was... No, we never talked about it. Did you feel like it was off limits? Yeah, and, like, my mom just didn't want to admit it. And, like, now she's 70 and I live there. And for the past year or two, she's been talking about how she's been depressed for over 20 years. But she never talked to me about it when I was younger. Well, yeah, it's hard to talk to your kid about that, you know? I mean, I can only imagine... She could have talked to me in my 20s, but she waited till I was in my 30s. I mean, I, I'm i trying to put myself in her shoes and, like, try to imagine talking to your kid about that stuff. Especially, like, if you know your kid's going through their own shit. Maybe it just took her that long to build up to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, better late than never. Yeah, that's true. And the things she does talk to me about mental illness-wise is she always talks about, like, my sister and my dad being bipolar and she just like throws that word out there and neither of them were ever diagnosed that it's just like her gnosis of them and I hate that because I'm just like you can't diagnose somebody who's undiagnosed like it's not fair or right but again that's just her limited understanding of mental health maybe yeah have you tried like educating her She's very educated. I just think she's just very close minded. <laughs> like, um, she just wants to believe that because they've made her feel certain ways that she wants to believe, like, give it a title to make her not feel as badly, I think. Is your relationship with her, like, better now that you talk about this? No, stuff? our relationship. Oh, that's what I was getting into. Our relationship right now is not good um, because of the fact that I don't want to work at the government and I just want to teach yoga and her believing that money is the only thing that matters. She told me happiness doesn't matter. So our relationship's a little rocky because she is worried that I'm going to like lose my job um, because I've been having a lot of issues at my job, but I'm, I've been building my business on the side for the past like two years, three years now. And a couple of the gym owners I know and people I have yoga contracts for because I have nine I work for nine different yoga places right now on top of my other job and then on top of my private yoga teaching like when I have my own private clients I have like 10 of my own clients all of them tell me that like they were fired or they had issues at their job before they left because they were so busy building their own brand and their own business that like it got in the way of their main income, which is what's happening to me right now. I keep getting talked to by my boss and her boss about like, Oh, are you, is your mind really here? Are you really focused on this job? And my mom's freaking out. Cause she's like, they're going to fire you. And I'm like, well, it's the government. They can't really fire me, but yeah, I get what she's saying. But at the same time, I'm like, I know what I'm doing, too. What ethnicity is your family? We're all over the place. Okay. Um, my mom is black and Native American and Irish. So, yeah, she's black, Native American and Irish. Okay. And then my dad is from Pakistan. I was just wondering, like, what role culture played in your upbringing? It's huge. Um, so... I went to Pakistan for my first time ever this year, and I understood a lot more about my family from going. It was a culture shock for me, um, to be honest. So my whole life, weddings have been like this huge thing. Like, how many weddings are we going to a year? Maybe like 10. And like, it was just like so many since I was old enough to walk. I was going to weddings um, with my parents. And 
the Pakistani community is just huge and like everybody gets married and everybody gets married young and everybody has kids and it's just like this big thing. And so when we went to Pakistan, they just kept calling me the unmarried. They're like, you're how old? And you, you're not married? They're like, did your husband die? And I'm like, no. And they're Ouch. like, they're just like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't think anything's wrong with me. <laughs> so it was just like really a culture shock because my sister's married. So I just kept being like the unmarried one. I'm like, okay. It was, it was just super awkward. Um, and just, it was a little hurtful, but we went there for a wedding. So we were there to watch my little 24 year old cousin get married, uh, to some 29 year old man, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then like in the culture, money is huge. Like my family comes from like embassy and like state department type of people. So money and finances and social status is huge and importance in our culture. And that's why I think like the first guy I dated, my parents were upset about because he came from like a background with no money and then he had no money and they were like, this isn't going to work. Like, why are you even like entertaining this guy? I think that's interesting that, like, the two big stressors for you right now, money and relationships, are, like, the two things that your culture, like, focuses on. Were your parents really, like, heavy with that growing up, or was it just kind of, like, hinted at? I mean, I didn't know much about the needing to have or make a lot of money from them. Like, I didn't know that that was something that they really wanted as a kid. I didn't even really know much about money back then, but I should have. Like, I was spoiled. I went to a private school. My parents bought me anything and everything I wanted. But to me, I was like, that's just normal. And I didn't think much of it until I got older. And I was like, oh, I was privileged. Do you feel like you've internalized some of their own views about money? Um, No. I feel like money comes and money goes. Like, I feel like it's always going to go that way. And, like, I'm just – I have, like, more of a yogic belief, like – you just need what you need to get by and you don't need like a whole lot. But I just want money to travel because that's all that matters to me. So I'm, I'm going out of town next week. As I told you, I was like, can't do next Thursday. I'll be gone. Where are you going? <laughs> I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, you lucky bastard. <laughs> so since 2012, when that first breakup happened, I decided every year I would be traveling on my birthday and I haven't missed a travel since then. Do you go by yourself usually or with other people? For five, four or five years, I went with that most recent ex. And then last year, I went by myself. But my friend from Canada flew to Mexico to meet me. And I'm going to Hawaii alone. But I'm staying with a guy friend that I knew in graduate school that I don't even, like, really talk too much. But I think his girlfriend and him live together with another roommate. And okay, so it's safe. It's safe, Yeah. But I don't really know. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, looking at you and hearing about all this stuff, you you seem like a really confident, you know, brave person. But then you talk about feeling really awkward and awkward yeah. and anxious. So, like, how do you push past that and just kind of do your thing? I think the awkward and anxious is just, like, who I am. So I have to – I've learned to embrace it and just be that way. I know a lot of my friends are just like, you're so weird. And I'm like, that's just who I am. Like, I don't know. I just, I've just pushed past it. And I think that's why I really enjoy teaching yoga because my personality is completely there. Like I don't leave it behind. Like I have the corniest like dad jokes and I'm a, a woman and I'm I just love like, it. 
giving like these jokes and I'm just like this is me but that like it's a hundred percent me so I don't know and I do think it it does take sometimes till you know you're in your 30s to really figure out that kind of stuff yeah like you've gone through so much just to figure out you're just starting to beginning to figure out who you are you know yeah and it's and it's a lifelong process and I can relate almost anything back to yoga but like yoga is a practice and a practice you always practice you're never a master like even though there are some people that are gurus they are still practicing they are never they've never mastered the craft and you will never master the craft and that's why I love it so much because that's life you will never master life. You will never be perfect at life. Like something will always come in your way. When you think that you have everything together, the universe or God or whomever you believe is going to throw something at you and you're going to have to deal with that next. So it's just like being prepared to know that shit's going to happen. Now you talked about mindfulness before. Can you explain that a little more? I've found in the past year I like I used to meditate with my classes when I'd go to class or if I would teach a private class, I'd meditate for like a minute, but I never like really got into like a, a major meditation practice until this year. And now I meditate and I allow myself to um, give myself positive affirmations. So that's not what a lot of people do during the meditation, but that's how I help myself fall in love with myself as we talked about earlier on. Yes tell myself like in my head like you are where you are supposed to be you are who you are supposed to be like you are beautiful you are perfect you are kind you are love like I have to repeat these things in my head every single day otherwise I feel I don't feel that way and like if I don't meditate or work out in a day which this could be an addiction um then I feel balance yeah, then I feel like completely lost. And like, I'm just like, I have to do that. Or like you said, you are a recovering alcoholic. If I don't do those things, I tend to end up not taking care of myself and either getting really fucked up doing something I shouldn't be doing, getting blacked out drunk, like those are things I shouldn't be doing. But it happens if I don't take care of my mental health first. And yet it is a practice. It is a discipline. What does a meditation session usually look like? Um, It looks like me just sitting anywhere with my legs crossed, hands on the knees, and sitting up like uh, just a comfortable seated posture. I do it when I'm at work. Sometimes I'll go into like a, like, um, what are those, a conference room. One day I was out at a park, and it was a beautiful day. I think it was back in like May or June. And I just decided to sit by the creek and meditate there there were hundreds of people walking past me and out because it was like lunchtime but it didn't bother me I just wherever I can sit and be still I do it what what are you actually doing are you just repeating those affirmations to yourself or that and making sure I'm nowhere near my phone um that's priority number one closing my eyes Um, and just not allowing my mind to think about other things. Cause I want to think about things like, why did this guy not text me back? Or what do I have to do when I get back to work? Or how many cases do I need to work on? Or 
do I have a client at this time? Do I need to run this errand? Like my mind literally goes all day long. So when I sit down and sit in meditation, I don't allow my mind to do that. My mind has to stop. I force myself to. I start by focusing on breathing. I do a few breathing exercises, just like that deep inhalation and exhalation, just letting everything go. My mind just goes blank. And then when my mind wants to start thinking about things, which it happens, it could be 10 seconds, could be 30 seconds, that's when I start with the positive affirmations repeating in my head. Once I repeat those, then I start to remind myself that I am who and what I'm supposed to be. I am where I am supposed to be, and I don't need anybody else. Like, I have to remind myself I don't need somebody to make me feel complete. I don't need this child. I don't need this husband. I don't need any of those things. So I just have to remind myself over and over again. And then, sidebar, because I always want those things. I look at my friends who do have husbands and kids and I'm like, that could be really annoying. Well, so- also, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. And also there's nothing wrong with wanting that, you know, but it's when you make it your whole identity and your whole mission in life and you don't see yourself as fulfilled apart from that. That's when it becomes unhealthy. Exactly. And then it becomes like this like crazy obsession, which is what it had become for me. Yeah. So- I'm allowing myself and actually one of my friends who's the least person to care about um, mental health, the least person to care about mindfulness, any of that, he and I hang out every Tuesday night and we were hanging out on Tuesday and he's like my best guy friend, but we would never date ever because we're not attracted to each other at all. But he said the best thing to me. He was just like, he's like, I mean, just think you'll be alone forever and be happy with that. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and that's what I need to do. I just need to be happy alone. <laughs> Seriously. And then if someone comes into your life, it's great. If not, it's also great. You know? Yeah. You can't be disappointed. Yeah. And like, I put too much pressure on the ones that I do. Like the one I was just telling you, that's my yoga student. Um, I dog, I watch his dog. Yeah. I put so much pressure on him. I'm just like, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do that? Thinking about the last like 10 years of your life and all this shit you've been through and all like, what what do you want to like carry forward into the next 10 years of your life? I want to carry in the idea of the fact that everything's temporary and everything's going to be okay just because it will. And like nothing lasts forever. Like again, everything's temporary, like friendships, people, technology, thoughts, ideas, everything is. And like, that's, that's the one thing. And then to just continue to give love to my yoga students, to strangers, to friends, to family, to everybody I encounter. Just try to be the kindest I can be. Like what I told my students tonight in classes, and this does sound cliche, but everybody is going through something. And as long as we can be the person to shed light or give the uh, the next person around us love, That's all we need to do because we'll receive that back if we continue to give it out. And I do. I I receive so much love every single day. It just doesn't happen to be the romantic love. But I get a lot of love and I give a lot of love and it's a beautiful thing. Love is love. You know, like, I don't know. I think so much emphasis is placed on romantic love, but it's just so overrated, I feel like. Yeah. And that's that's not just me being single saying that, you know. No, it really is. It really is. And and I see a lot of my friends who are in romantic love relationships or married or what have you, and they're just like, 
they don't have that love from like friends from strangers because they're just only with their partner and they are just like oh you talk to so many friends and so many people throughout the day like how do you do it and I'm just like because I'm not closed off to just one human there's other humans in this world that we have to interact with in fact there's over seven billion other ones so why don't you go interact with somebody but then you also have to think about we were talking about mental mental illnesses a lot of my friends who do feel that way not the ones in romantic relationships but I'm thinking about another close friend of mine who does experience a lot of mental health and it's difficult for her to do that because of her mental health so I have to also say that too because some people it's hard to just talk to other people well so what's the balance like going back to the concept of balance like what how would you like what kind of advice would you give someone that does struggle with that I have tasked her to speak to more people um she tends to um not judge because that's not a nice word that's not what she does but she has an idea of who people are she has preconceived notions yeah and I have to let her know again that everybody's going through something so you have to understand that maybe your boss talked to you this way or your coworker did because of something in their life so I'm like, so I task her with try to be kind to that person that you're interacting with in the day that is making you feel small or making you feel inadequate rather than saying that you don't, you just, cause she just would just not talk to anybody. She, if they're talking to her nastily, she'll just walk away. Or maybe, or maybe if she's like me and she'll say, Oh, I'm a terrible person. I can't do anything right. And, but maybe <laughs> not, maybe not. Maybe the other person's just having a bad day and just taking it out on you, you know, it may, or maybe they don't even, they didn't even mean it that way. It's just, some people are just nasty and that's who they are. <laughs> if you guys take anything away from this episode, sometimes people just be nasty. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's getting pretty late it. for you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Yeah, but I love this. I love your podcast. I love seeing you. It's been over a year. And do you um, want to plug any of your like social media, like your yoga stuff? Yeah. So if you want to follow me on <laughs> social media, it's Nadia Star, which is N A D I Y A S T A R. And if you want to follow me on YouTube, which there's only one video at the moment, um, that's Yoga by Nadia N A D I Y A. And my website is Nadia, N-A-D-I-Y-A, yoga.com. I didn't know you had a website. Yeah. I will definitely be hitting that up because yeah, I, I need to get back into yoga. This this interview has inspired me. Well, the YouTube is where I'm actually doing doing the yoga, even though there's only one video. But I will be doing more. Maybe I'll shoot some in Hawaii. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I'm not I'm not quite sure, but it might happen. Well, keep it in mind because we'll be waiting. So right now it's just a meditation, um, a great meditation for anxiety, actually. Is oh, what I-, I bet listeners would love to hear that. Yeah, so it's a great meditation on anxiety. And then um, my Instagram has most of my yoga flows. I think the next YouTube video I'm going to do is a few poses. And then um, maybe the following one will be like a brief sequence. So nice well have a good run and try to get some sleep yes thank you i'm I'm getting to clean tonight so i'm gonna get that and then sleep nice i believe in you thank you thank you so much i'll talk to you soon bye